welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Olivia Creeker, Senior Content Producer and Editor of the Booktopian blog, and joining me today is Ben Hunter, Booktopia's Resident Fiction Specialist and Buyer. Our guest today is Craig Silby, the best-selling and beloved author of Jasper Jones, who has a brand new novel coming out this week called Honeybee. Welcome, Craig. Thanks for having me. Craig, it's a, a real honour to have you on. Um, I want to start with the same question I had for Marcus Suzak when he finally resurfaced uh, with a, a best-selling novel after uh, years away from the game and uh, a, a very successful film adaptation like you've had. The question is, where have you been? We've missed you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, you know, resting on your laurels takes time. Uh, <laughs> not easy. Um, where have I been? My goodness. Well, the truth is, I'm sure Marcus uh, had the same experience. Um, when you're fortunate and privileged enough to uh, uh, have written a novel which is so well supported um, and uh, has such an incredible trajectory, obviously Marcus's case was, was worldwide and in the, in the many millions, but um, you, you tend to uh, tour and support that book for, for far longer than you ever anticipate. Um, and the book itself, the story, drifts so far away from you as its original source that you become a kind of curator for it. It's quite an amazing feeling, actually. I remember um, I've been very, very fortunate with stage adaptations as well. And, you know, as the original writer, you tend to just get sort of wheeled out at, at, at these events and, uh, you know, you wave politely and you just realise the story has been, uh, it's evolved to the point where other people take it on, adapt it and make it their own. And it's really quite special. So I've got to say for, for a few years there, I was uh, uh, sort of walking alongside Jasper Jones and, and in support of it. Um, I've got to say, I, I lost a couple of years also to uh, a novel that I'm not quite ready to give up on yet, but it's in the bottom shelf. Um, I just lost sight of it and it just got a bit big on me. Um, and I'm wondering now if I could, uh, if, if it's better to maybe being adapted to screen, actually, I think it might be a, a television series. Um, and around about the time where uh, I was determining whether or not to keep pursuing uh, that story, the opportunity to write the screenplay for Jasper Jones, the film adaptation came up. Uh, and that was in 2015. Um, and I worked incredibly hard on that. And uh, I, I had a, a much longer involvement in production and post-production and pre-production than I'd ever anticipated. Um, and I fell in love with being on a film set. It's, it's infectious. And uh, I wanted to keep working in film. Uh, so I've written a number of screenplays and they're presently in development. Um, and, you know, uh, around, it would be three years ago now, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, I, I began the first steps of uh, putting Honeybee on the page um, and, and developing that manuscript and, and getting it ready. Uh, and here we are, that's 10 years. My goodness, that's frightening. You have been busy though. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I pretend to be busy. Um, so your new novel is Honeybee. Um, can you please tell us a little bit about it and all about its wonderful main characters, Sam and Vic, uh, who I've fallen in love with, Ben's fallen in love with, and that I suspect many, many Australians will also be falling in love with uh, in the next few weeks. Oh, it's very kind of you to say. Um, yeah, Honeybee uh, 
brings us into the world of a young teenager called Sam Watson, uh, who we first meet late one night as they step onto a quiet overpass uh, and climb over the rails with the intention of ending their life. But at the other end of the bridge, Sam looks across and sees an old man whose name is Vic, and he's smoking his last cigarette, and he's there essentially to end his own struggle. And the two see each other across the void, and their fates are forever changed. And Honeybee is essentially about their relationship and the effort that they make to repair each other. Um, but after a very bleak beginning, uh, ultimately it's, I think, a very hopeful and life-affirming, um, funny in places, uh, moving read. Well, that's my intention at, at, at the very least. You know, it's, um, it's, it's designed to be uh, an optimistic novel about the importance of support and love and understanding. Um, and, and this is the journey we take when we embark on Honeybee. It definitely is a novel of darkness and light. Um, uh, and it gets you in the feels. Uh, I remember when you're doing press for Jasper Jones, the film, uh, everyone was asking you, where did the story come from? And you kept giving the answer of um, the name. The name Jasper Jones came into my head and, and this story slowly grew around it. Um, and uh, you went from there. I wonder where uh, the story of Sam Watson came from. And was it always, was it the story of Sam Watson that you uh, had at, at the core of this when you set out? Or was it always going to be the story of Sam and Vic, these two hugely different humans uh, who become incredibly interdependent? Right, it's a great question. Yeah, I mean, authors are invariably asked where. Uh, what the genesis of a novel is or, or where that initial idea came from. And I'm always loath to answer it because I never have an adequate answer. Um, the, the, the truth is I never quite know. However, with Honeybee, um, uh, the story does have a, a clear provenance and actually stems from a real event. Um, about six years ago now, uh, late one night, my brother was picking up his partner from the airport and driving her uh, home. And it, he crossed the Canning Highway Bridge in here in Western Australia. And through the corner of his eye, he noticed a young person standing over the rail. Um, sort of suspended and, and uh, looked as though they were in a precarious position. And so he pulled over quickly and called the police. While my sister-in-law, whose name is Dan, uh, got out of the car and approached this young person. Um, largely with the ambition to distract them while uh, help arrives, essentially. And after he spoke to the police, my brother uh, immediately uh, texted me and, and, and called me. And I was sitting right here at my desk, um, working, pretending to work. Uh, and I was immediately connected to this, to this event. I was worried, I was heartbroken, I was uh, terrified. Um, and my brother continued to send me updates. And so Sam, uh, spoke to this young person for a while and spoke about everything and nothing um, until they volunteered the reasons why they were up there. And uh, she discovered that this person was struggling with issues surrounding their gender identity. Uh, they came from a place where they had uh, no support, 
from their family or friends. They were very alone. They've been kicked out of home uh, and they're in a very helpless and hopeless situation. And so they spoke and they connected uh, until police arrived and ambulance arrived and you know they were quite brusque and they, they pulled this person over the rail and uh, sort of deposited them in the back of the ambulance. Sam didn't really even need to uh, uh, give a statement or, or was largely unrequired and she was summarily dismissed. Um, and in the following days, we tried to connect with this person uh, just to see how they were and to see if we could assist. But they had a very common name and they proved very, very difficult to, to find. And so I was in a situation where I had uh, a very real person who existed solely in my imagination who I worried about and was concerned for. Um, and, you know, they wouldn't quite let me go. And so for me, throughout my life, my process and, and trying to understand and um, to, to try to clarify the abstract, my process has always been to, to write about it. Um, so I started writing about this person with no greater ambition than to try and understand them. Um, I started researching the, the challenges and the difficulties faced by young trans people in Australia, and I was moved by it, concerned by it. Um, you know, some of the statistics that I encountered appeared to me to be quite an urgent crisis, but certainly worthy of broader discussion. Um, and I suppose that's that's where Honeybee really began for me. There was a, there was a brief period of time uh, where I was determining how to structure the story, how to find the story, to find the right way to write it. Um, but that's that's really where Honeybee began. Wow, that's that's really moving, just <laughs> in of itself. Um, and it sounds like there's a a whole deal of um, research and soul searching that have gone into it. Um, as well as some fantastic invention. Um, so Vic is entirely yours. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, Vic's is sort of an amalgam of, uh, of, uh, of men that I've known, but also men that I would probably like to have known, I suppose. He's a very admirable man and uh, um, a very sweet, ethical, codified in his behavior. Um, uh, prince of a person. Like I really admire Vic. I have a lot of time for him. You know? um, but he's struggling. He's in a difficult place in his life. He's grieving. Um, he's uh, at the end of his tether, you know. Um, but he meets this person at the most important time of his life, ultimately, you know. And and the, the two find something in each other that are ultimately very very different, but ultimately. Um, Mm. And one thing that I really liked about this novel um, is the fact that it kind of has a, a, a fairy tale quality to it. And considering that one of the chapters is called Cinderella, um, I'm guessing that was intentional? Uh, no, but uh, well, I mean, the, yeah, Cinderella, the, the, the chapter Cinderella, I have to say, I'm enormously proud of. Especially, I mm. think for me, the, um, I think it's my. Uh, I think it's the best standalone chapter of anything I've, I've written. I'm, I'm, um, I'm really pleased with how it came together. Um, <laughs> people listening in, um, uh, the, the, the chapter we're discussing centers around uh, Sam's ambition um, to attend 
a drag show uh, before she dies. Uh, and, and Vic helps her attend a, a drag show and sort of sneak in. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Well, it was a lot of fun to research for one thing, but it was an enormous amount of fun to, to, to write, to design my own drag night. Um, but as, as was the case with the, with the real Cinderella, at one point you've got to go home and, uh, you know, the, the coach turns into a pumpkin. And, um, uh, you know, it's, a, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not all joyful. It's not all celebratory, unfortunately. Um, in terms of a fairy tale, I'm not entirely sure. I, 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 feel it's, I, I don't believe it's structured like a fairy tale. There are a few hints at fairy tales, I suppose. Um, and fairy tales can be, for want of a better term, grim. Um, can be dark, can be heavy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that's, um, you know, I, I think that's a, a reasonable assertion. I have to give it more thought. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> One of the things the reader experiences in this um, through the eyes of a very young and vulnerable person is real poverty um, uh, and crime, drug abuse, alcohol. Um, but what I think you really capture accurately in Honeybee, and, and it's something that comes as a steep learning curve uh, to privileged people like me, is I guess the massive isolation that comes with childhood poverty um, mm. and how stifling that can be. You can, you can uh, grow up with a, a single parent or carer and that person can love you and make gargantuan sacrifices for you, but you can still grow up with serious trauma and neglect. Um, you know, we say love conquers all, but um, missing out on heaps of school and not having enough to eat is still really awful. Um, how, how did you approach writing a story of a young person experiencing poverty? Right. Well, I, I, I suppose you're, you're absolutely correct. You start by kind of nullifying options and opportunities and you try to empathise with what that means for a young person, particularly with them uh, whose early experiences with, uh, with their mother, Sarah, um, is so insecure, I suppose you would describe it. You know, they're, they're constantly moving house. Sarah's struggles with, with, with addiction, um, is largely neglectful a lot of the time. And so Sam has to kind of fill in the blanks uh, for nourishment in so many different ways. Um, chiefly, I suppose two of those is to uh, design a kind of parent by proxy. And so um, you, you would have noticed that, that Sam's relationship with Julia Child uh, and uh, being raised essentially by episodes of the French Chef um, as this kind of proxy grandparent and, and somebody that, that she genuinely believes kind of you know is is connected to her and cares about her. And the other the other uh, essential insecurity is food. And so Sam uh, valuing food, valuing cooking food, um, and and where food comes from is another way that uh, that. Uh, I, I designed it to kind of open, overcompensate and also wanting to provide for, for, uh, for Sarah and ultimately also for Vic. Um, it was these elements that I wanted to tie in and, uh, and describe that experience of, 
overcompensating and, and uh, having to be creative with uh, trying to fill in those gaps where, where you have nothing. Hmm. I just want to touch on something that Ben said about like growing up in that extreme poverty, like can um, be such an isolating experience, which is something that's just clicked for me as well. Um, and what I think Honeybee does an excellent job with is showing that not only is Sam isolated from like all the experiences that more privileged children have, um, she's also doesn't have the language or the knowledge to really articulate what's happening to her and what she's feeling about her gender identity. She's been assigned male at birth, but doesn't understand doesn't even understand that concept. And so it comes through as wrongness and perversity. Um, but it also just, I think you did a really good job of showing what happens when you have a community that has your back. So like along the way, Sam and Kara experiences and uh, comes across all this amazing group of people that just like, I, don't, I think that was my favorite aspect of the novel, meeting people like Aggie and Peter. Um, where did, um, where did that come from? Like all of those people, was that, like, I don't, I don't know how really to. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, uh, it's beautifully put Olivia and I really appreciate <laughs> that, that, that emerge, um, uh, for you. Look, when yeah. we don't have, when we don't have the language, all we have are the feelings and we can find ourselves lost in that. Uh, and it makes it difficult to overcome and, and uh, difficult to, uh, to face them sometimes. And so, as I mentioned previously, so much of Honeybee is really about what support, love and understanding can, uh, can provide us. And one of those things is, is, uh, is clarification, is, is the ability to understand ourselves. And so, yeah, when, when Sam has Aggie, um, you know, delightfully uh, <laughs> providing a character sheet for her, um, which is all wrapped in her love of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, Sam sees herself for the first time. This is what, you know, they can give each other when we, when we connect. Um, when Peter or Stella Fitzgerald um, <laughs> almost insists that, that Sam goes to speak to uh, somebody who's very dear to them uh, to offer them perspective on on their life. Um, this is a great agent of change uh, and a clarifying moment for Sam because when we're trapped in our own thoughts uh, and when we're lost in our own emotional terrain, um, often it can be a very very difficult place to emerge from. Uh, mm -hmm. And and this is what support offers us, and this is uh, this is ultimately I think. That's the most important part of the of the book, um, and and Vic offers Sam that as well in in his own kind of unusual way. But just the simple fact that uh, that Vic comes to love Sam just for who she is, um, and and doesn't judge her for, for the way she wants to be, um, is uh, it, it's hugely influential on on how. Uh, in, in Sam's uh, change in thinking, I suppose, and, and, and uh, the way that she comes to feel about herself. Craig, you mentioned this saying that you're mentally 
proud of in this book. Um, and it, it shines a, a huge light. Um, this, this, this moment when um, uh, Vic, <laughs> um, uh, against all odds, uh, gets in his uh, uh, Holden Kingswood and drives a very well-dressed and very not 18 years old um, Sam to a nightclub to attend a drag show. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful, shining, standout moment of this book and it catalyzes a lot of change. Um, mm -hmm. I, I want to know about drag. Uh, did, you, did you go to a bunch of drag shows? Like, what, what did, how did you, how did you um, earn your stripes in the drag world? I don't know if I earned my stripes, but I certainly attended a bunch of, of, of shows. Um, I've always loved drag. I've always been endlessly entertained by it. Um, I'm one of the many millions of people that are enraptured by it. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, and uh, you know I'm uh, 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 constantly tuning in. Uh, I've been to drag shows previously here in Perth, um, but what I wanted to do was get a uh, a unique understanding of local drag here in Perth. So I enlisted uh, um, a guide uh, called through through Perth Drag called Skyscraper, who is enormous as she sounds. Uh, and you know we went to uh, Queen of the Core competition, and um, and you know I picked her brain about uh, sort of the local patois and uh, just some distinct intricacies of, of Perth Drag. Um, and my goodness, I had a lot of fun and uh, it was something I adored doing. And so it gave me a great, and, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, I've watched more than enough makeup tutorials. Um, I, I, know the, uh, I know the intricacies, intricacies of, of tucking. Uh, you know, I haven't quite got there myself, but um, you know, if, if, if I'm in a pinch, I, can, I could probably get there. Um, yeah, so I know enough on that drag. <laughs> I won't demonstrate here. It's okay. Um, uh, yeah, I just had I just had a lot of fun, and and it gave me uh, it gave me more than enough of a platform to, to write that scene uh, and design my own show and uh, and and sort of design my own drag queens. It was really amazing. I've got to say, it was tricky coming up with new drag names. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was Harder than you think. And so when I came up with um, with Stella Fitzgerald, um, I was pretty enraptured. I was pretty happy. So you should be. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping someone adopts it. That'd be great. When we meet Sam, uh, you meet <laughs> we meet someone who's radically unique and frighteningly vulnerable. Um, and in a, a really, really, really dark place. Uh, people like Sam fall victim to suicides, or homelessness, to hate crimes far, far, far too frequently. Uh, and all around the world, people like Sam are fighting uh, to have a voice and to have safety and to survive and to have protection under the law. Um, how did you come to a place where you were ready to tell this story as a novel um, and that you were confident that you would, you'd created something of value uh, and that you weren't just telling someone else's story for your own benefit? Right. And I, I think you're right. I think, I 
think ultimately it comes down to intention. I think that's really important. I'm acutely aware that Sam's story is not my lived experience. Uh, and it has always been very, very important to me that when I broach subjects that don't represent my own history, I do so with sensitivity and respect and understanding. So what that requires of me, um, and I think this should be the standard, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's very, very important that, that authors approach uh, uh, telling stories this way uh, ethically. And so what that requires of me is to listen and to learn uh, and to do my homework and above all to consult. And so that was my process essentially. Uh, you know, I read as widely as I could. We live in an amazing time where uh, some very brave and inspiring people uh, have publicly confessed their feelings and, and, and made their experiences known on the internet, whether it's video logs or blogs or, or uh, social media or online forums. It's an amazing resource for someone like me. Uh, I connected with support networks, uh, and most importantly, I met with uh, trans and non-binary people of various backgrounds and ages, uh, who very, very generously gave me their, their time um, and allowed me to essentially uh, interview them and, and, to, and to describe the, the project with them um, and to share their story with me. And it was uh, it was an amazing experience for me. It was it was an inspiring experience. I could not have written Honeybee without their contributions, uh, and I wouldn't have written it without their blessing. Um, but I think it does, it, it, it crucially comes down to three things, I think. One is intention, the other is process, and the third is execution. So basically the, the why, how, and, and what, essentially. So what are my intentions with Honeybee? Um, you know, outside of wanting to write a meaningful and compelling narrative, uh, I think it's important to offer readers an emotional context through which they could understand the challenges faced by young trans and non-binary people here in Australia. Um, you know, I, I, I believe in that. It's not my intention to try to tell some kind of definitive trans story um, because that's, that's an impossibility. If there's one thing I learned through uh, my consultation that everybody's experience is different. All I'm trying to attend to is Sam's very specific story in a very specific place at a very specific time under a very specific set of pressures. And, and that's all I'm trying to attend to. I'm not trying to talk over anybody uh, um, all my intention is to, to tell Sam's story. And ultimately, uh, most importantly, if any young trans and non-binary or gender diverse reader can pick up Honeybee and feel as though they are represented and visible and respected, and come away feeling encouraged and galvanized, then I feel as though the work has had merit and I will feel incredibly rewarded 
as an author. Thank you for such a candid and uh, eloquent answer. That was, that was really well done. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, well, it's something I, I feel very deeply, you know, I think it's, um, I think there should be added scrutiny uh, on me and, and the responsibility does fall on me. It's to... a huge responsibility. I'm an ignorant person, but uh, that respect and uh, that love and that position of, of someone who, who listens first and speaks second is, is evident in your writing. And I think it's evident in all good writing. Um, and this, this is good writing. Um, I want to ask about um, screenwriting. You co-wrote the screenplay for Jasper Jones. Um, uh, and it's a very rare attainment to have a successful uh, novel and a successful uh, film adaptation. Uh, that's huge. Uh, what was your experience uh, writing for the screen? And I understand you're really heavily involved in the production as well. Um, and what have you learned from working in that form? Is that something you're really going to continue with? Yeah, I, I, I love working in film. I suppose the, the, the chief difference is, uh, you could probably sum it up with the word collaboration, is it is uh, a very collaborative atmosphere that has its own challenges for a novelist who's used to being God. <laughs> uh, writing a novel is a very solitary, sequestered, process um, where, for me at least, uh, you spend uh, a lot of time on your own uh, working through something um, without a community of voices. Film is largely very, very different. And so you're, you're in this amazing situation where you're, you're arguing for ideas. It, it, uh, it, it makes if you're in the right community, um, it can it can really make something sing. Uh, it can be difficult if, if there are greater differences that are, that are uh, difficult to overcome. But fortunately, I've been in a situation where I've been able to collaborate with some uh, with some amazingly talented people, and so it's just been a joy to work on. And and I think it, it elevates uh, uh, a creative feat to be perfectly honest. It's just different, um, you know. It's it's almost like writing in a different language, if, if that makes any sense. There are rigidities to screen to screenwriting that just don't exist when you're writing a novel, um, and so it can be kind of fun to write to those restrictions. Um, even paying attention to things like budget, where uh, <laughs> uh, with Jasper Jones, for example, you know, there's that scene which is uh, at the at the New Year's fair, and my my original draft. Uh, you know, it was, it was, there were carnival rides, there were lots of people, there were fireworks, there was, um, you know, all, all manner of uh, um, celebrations going on. And then your line producer gets involved and your budget gets whittled down. And so a country fair turns into, you know, <laughs> quite, and it's amazing how we captured it, to be honest, but it, but it, it got whittled down to, um, you know, maybe 10 square meters down the side of a, a, a town hall um, with a pinwheel and a fairy floss vendor. Uh, just things like that, you just don't really uh, anticipate uh, when, when you start out with screenwriting. But, but those are the things that you're, that you're contending with and they, and they end up influencing your text a great deal also. 
I'm not sure yes. I answered that question at all. Uh, whatever you said, it was, it was, it was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> do you have, uh, do you have screen, uh, uh, aspirations for Honeybee? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. I actually think it's, it's sort of structured quite cinematically to be honest. I don't think it would be a, um, it wouldn't be a huge departure to, to bring Honeybee to screen. I don't, I don't think. Um, I'm already thinking about it. Um, you know, I'm already kind of got some key casts that you know, hopefully uh, that that I can pursue. Um, and I think I know how I how I would go about it. So I'm sure we're not too far away. I know we're looking into um, sending out the producers shortly. Um, so fingers crossed we. I uh, can get the ball rolling soon, but yeah, I'd, really, I'd be really excited to, to work on that. Excited to see it. Yeah. <laughs> we are running a little close to time, um, but I guess I think this might be a bad question to ask, but um, apart from like thinking about those cinematic aspirations for Honeybee, um, what's up next for you? Are, are you going to get out that bottom shelf novel? and give it another crack. Yeah, you're attempting me. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I'm just really, as you say, it's been 10 years. And so I'm really, uh, really interested in, in reconnecting with readers and, and touring. Mm -hmm. I really love touring. It's a difficult thing when you're a novelist because you live two lives. It's a very private, intimate life uh, that, more often than not, feels quite natural for a, for a novelist, which is when you're developing a manuscript. You're on your own, mm -hmm. and you attend to your work, and it's a very routine kind of profession. You you uh, you work your days, and it's hard work. It's a slog, but it's the most rewarding work you can do. And it's a very private job. And then mm -hmm. there's this sort of transition period between that and where I am now, which is very public, and you're out, you're asked to advocate for your work and through it for it and uh, uh, encourage people to invest their time in it. Um, and for me, it was that was the skill that I've had to learn. Um, I, I've always been very discreet about writing, something I've always been very private about. When I started my career, I didn't tell anybody that, that I was writing or I was developing um, a manuscript uh, because I just didn't feel qualified to call myself a writer. Mm -hmm. um, but having the great privilege and honour to, to tour my book uh, and to meet readers, um, and readers in Australia are the most wonderfully supportive, kind, uh, enthusiastic people. Um, you know, connecting with those people and, and, and speaking with them about books, it's a real joy. It's something I really enjoy doing. So for the next uh, however long, depending on the trajectory of Honeybee, who knows? Um, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to getting out there and, and speaking to readers and um, uh, visiting bookstores and um, having, a, having a more public life. We look forward to seeing you. In <laughs> yeah. We uh, really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us from the other side of the country. Um, and that's the, that's the last thing I, I want to ask, Craig. You're a West Australian author, and this is a West Australian novel. And West Australian authors are some of the 
include some of the best writers working today. Uh, and we have some great small presses like UAP and Fremantle, uh, which are supporting those writers. Um, but I think inevitably there's an East Coast bubble, right? Um, mm. In the publishing world, in the book world. Uh, did you feel like an outsider starting out? And uh, what can we do about it? Well, it's true. It's certainly true that the industry is based uh, in the East. You know, the, the, the machinery of publishing uh, is, is largely Sydney and Melbourne. By, by, by no stretch could, could that be arguable. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've always felt quite supported. Um, it's, it's, I really don't feel as though there's this, this sense of competition or, uh, or intimidation to, to publishing in Australia. It's all, for me, it's always been very collegial and very supportive. And I think everybody's in it for the, uh, for the same reason, which is to celebrate good writing um, and, to, and, and to discover great books. And um, yeah, look, I think, I think there's something unique about West Australian writing simply because we are that far removed and we are our own little ecosystem, I suppose. Um, that and we're, we're a big state and we have a lot of landscape to explore and you know a, a lot of stories happen here um, and so you know I, I think that affords us a, a really unique place to, to write about but I'm not I'm not sure I think I think we do punch above our weight but I don't think there's and we're parochial about it um, but I don't I've, I've never personally experienced um, uh, any kind of uh, how would I describe any kind of gatekeeping from the, from the eastern states? I think uh, I think eastern states readers are, are, are hungry for good stories. Um, you know, publishers are, 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 are looking for great stories. Um, yeah, I I, I, I don't know. I, I I think we're I think we all have a common goal, and so I, 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 think, I think we're all kind of mutually exclusive, uh, mutually um, uh, supportive, I suppose. I guess I answered that question really poorly, I'm sorry. Uh, not at all. No, not at all. It's, um, it's great to hear you um, enjoying such a, a positive community. Um, mm. And to hear you being such a kind and lovely person, because you write these kind and lovely and thoughtful books <laughs> so it's really <laughs> affirming to see oh well, that's very kind and lovely of you to say i'm just, uh yeah look i'm still in um oh you know it's like i'm a week away from release and uh you know it's an anxious time it's very it's a vulnerable thing to to release a novel and to hand over this piece of yourself and be judged on it um it doesn't get any less frightening uh regardless of how deep you are into your career um in fact, it gets a little more terrifying, to be honest with you. Um, so to, to hear you be so supportive of Honeybee um, and, and the fact that it's, uh, you know, a, a moving read for you is uh, really gratifying for me to hear. I really appreciate it. Undoubtedly. It's really yeah. special, Craig. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, this has been a wonderful chat and I'm excited to see a lot more readers pick up Honeybee and discover Sam and Vic and Aggie and the whole crew. Um, thanks so much for joining us today, Craig. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I really appreciate it. It's fun. <laughs>
Definitely. And for our listeners at home, uh, you can order your copy of Honeybee by Craig Silvey from booktopia.com.au. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au. Thank you.